Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and yes, we've managed to round up the troops once again for European football and a transfer roundup special for you. So, joining me, as always, Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, I've been really enjoying my summer, Bryce. It's been really nice. I mean, beautiful weather. Um, most of the quarantine rules have been kind of lifted and relaxed, so we're actually able to do things outside and explore a little bit and yeah it's been it's been really nice um it's been also very busy because wide while there hasn't been that many games uh, in the bundesliga you know I've, I've been covering the premier league full time for for transfermarkt and then of course all the transfer stuff going on and now european football it seems like it's just this year it's just never ending but it's been really nice um and a few new things which have also been fun but how are you yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, it seems like uh, the football has just jumped from one competition to the next. We have Bundesliga finish, as you said, uh, what seems like ages ago now, doesn't it? Uh, and then Premier League's all done, and now we're into the European bonanza. Eh? It's just um, <laughs> game after game, which is very entertaining, but I'm sure you and who we're moving to next have been keeping very busy and moving to Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Bryce, I've been very well, thank you. Um yeah, been keeping busy, like what Manu says, really. Just good to see the football back after, what, I think, was it a week and a half break? Um, like Manu as well, once the Bundesliga finished, obviously being based over in the UK, Premier League, FA Cup, and then we're straight into um, Champions League and Europa League tournament phase now as well, which I am super excited. Um, and I can watch it, Bryce, like you can, um, with no sort of problems Liverpool have gone out of course everyone will know that both Bryce and I are massive Liverpool supporters so we can almost watch this um as as neutral fans and, and that's what I'm looking forward to because this knockout stage it's it's the biggest two it's the two biggest club football competitions in the world in a world cup format and it, it brings together the best of everything I'm not a big fan of international football but I do like the world cup I'm a massive fan of club football and it's like this is just the best outcome for me. And, and the only thing that's wrong um, or sad is the fact that there's going to be no fans there. As we record this, um, I've got the Manchester, sorry, I've got the Bayer Leverkusen and Inter game on in the background. And, you know, an empty stadium in Dusseldorf is a sad sight, but it is what it is. And yeah, looking forward to, to the games coming thick and fast. 
Well, exactly. And we'll still enjoy them for, for what we can, won't we? And yeah, there's some, there's already been some fantastic games and there's some fantastic games, um, coming our way. But before we jump into the uh, European football, um, as I said, we're going to touch on transfers and there's been plenty of transfer talk. But mostly only talk at the moment. So um, I suppose we're going to have to hit the biggest one first, and that is Jaden Sancho uh, and Manchester United. We plan with Jaden. Uh, Jaden will next season by us spielen, beim BVB spielen. Uh, die Entscheidung unter da habe ich ein uh, absolutes Agreement mit unserem uh, CEO Aki Batzke. Uh, ist definitiv. Also es gibt keinerlei Szenario, dass daran etwas ändern kann, oder? Nein. So that was uh, Mikael Zorg, sporting director of uh, Borussia Dortmund, more or less saying that he's not going anywhere. He was saying, we are planning with Jaden. Jaden will play for Dortmund next season. That decision, as agreed with CEO Vatska, uh, is final. So, yeah, Chris, um, this has been going on and on, um, especially you and I based in the UK. That's all we seem to hear about. Uh, I've heard plenty of Manchester United friends, uh, sporting friends, talk about it as well. And, well, you never say never, maybe, but it does sound like he's not going anywhere at the moment. Yes, it's um, it, it was the line in the sand that everybody said um, existed. Some people said there was no deadline. I think they've been left with a little bit of egg on their face this afternoon. Um, it was always Dortmund's deadline that if Sancho got on the plane to Switzerland, which he did at around about 10 o'clock um, Central European time this morning, he'd be staying. Um, and you're quite right. We heard there Zork speaking to Sky saying that, um, you know, that's final. It is very interesting to note that in that audio clip we played, um, the Sky reporter said, is there a scenario where this could change? And, and Mikhail Zork said no, um, which is very surprising because I have a feeling that this is going to go one or two ways. Manchester United are now going to walk away or they're going to call Dortmund's bluff. And if they do and they make a public offer or an official offer, because of Dortmund's situation with the German stock market, they have to release that even if they want to turn it down. So if Manchester United make a bid um, around 100 million euros or 90 million euros up front with a little bit of add-ons to follow, realistic add-ons as well, not Ballon d'Or Dembele add-ons, realistic add-ons, which I think would be Manchester United qualify for the Champions League next year, um, that sort of add-ons, um, it will be interesting to see what happens um, if Mr. Zork and Vatska change their mind. I mean, they've said the decision is final and it won't change. It, it almost puts them in a position where they now can't back down. But we never know when someone slaps £90 million on the table, <laughs> there's a lot of people could change their mind. It, it's a really interesting one for me. But the biggest um piece of interesting news i know manu will talk about this is the reports coming out of england and germany couldn't have been any different um those senior sources um, connected to manchester united i tweeted this this afternoon as well um had been given almost daily updates to some very selected few big media outlets about how close this deal was and how near it was to get over the line and Dortmund and the, you know, the information that I know both Man Manu and myself have got from, from Dortmund's side and people close to Dortmund 
is there was never any official contact. Um, and Dortmund have, have come out of this looking a little better than Manchester United have. So we now wait and see what happens. And I don't think you can ever say never. We can never say ever or never say never until the window's closed. The window doesn't close until October. So there's a long way to go yet. But at this moment in time, I think it would take Jaden Sancho to kick up a fuss. And from everything I'm hearing and have heard for some time, Sancho is quite happy in Dortmund. He knows he's getting the game time. Um, he knows he's getting the payment. He knows he's getting development time. He's playing in big competitions. Bundesliga, you know, is a top league. He's going to be playing in a Champions League next season. Um, and this time next year, the marketplace will be very different and there will be some superbly big clubs in um, the mix next year. Um, Manchester City, perhaps. Barcelona, Real Madrid, even Liverpool. And names that are shying away from spending massive, massive amounts at the moment could be back in for a bidding war. And that would obviously suit Borussia Dortmund, who today also explained that Jadon Sancho had um, extended his contract in secret until 2023. So it seems to me at the moment, and Manu, quite interested to get your thoughts on this, that all the cards are black and yellow. Yeah, all the cards are black and yellow. Um, I think... I've I've seen this with interest, followed this with interest to see um, how how both sides um, have been briefed differently on this. I mean, we we've, we've we've talked about this quite a lot um, privately, you and I, Chris. And I think the the messages that we've gotten, um, I think we're both closer to Dortmund side than United side. So I I don't know exactly what United tell the journalists that cover United on a regular basis, but. I always got the sense there was never any doubt that Jaden Sancho was going to play with Borussia Dortmund next year. Uh, that That is always the feeling that I've got um, from the Dortmund camp. They were always quite sure that this is how it's going to play out. And I almost got the sense that the price tag that they slapped on Jaden Sancho was almost a uh, deterrent rather than, well, you can pay this and you're going to get him. It was more like, well, we know you're not going to be able to pay this and therefore we're going to just keep him. And now, of course, this revelation today, um, I know that you went to Dortmund and you spoke to them directly and uh, there was hints of a possible contract extension should he stay. Uh, of course, now we know that that wasn't actually hints of a contract, possible contract extension in the future. It was that that was already done and that a contract that was previously only running until 2022 all along was running until 2023. Now that's a massive game changer because that means that next year we're not looking into Dortmund have to sell. Otherwise, you know, in 2022, he's going to leave for free. That changes into, well, they have two more years now, right? And that means the, the price is not going to go down next year. It's going to stay the same or maybe even more. And I also got the feeling that maybe, and this is, this is maybe something that Dortmund have discussed internally that even if they get less next summer, um, I think the 20 to 30 million that they could possibly get less next summer, is it worth for them to have another run at the title? And I think this is what really what they want. They want to give Louis Favre another year with Haaland, with Sancho, now adding Bellingham. And they want to give the squad another year to have a run at Bayern. And I know that's going to be extremely difficult because we're going to talk about Bayern at the end of the podcast and they're very good. 
But I think this is sort of the sense that I got. And then if that doesn't work, they can sell Sancho, make a bunch of money and try with the next young generation. But I, I think they're... <laughs> When you when you read between all those lines, and there was a really interesting statement today too that uh, you pointed out to me, Chris, by Mats Hummels, where Mats Hummels basically said, "Oh, I'm happy he's staying," and this is this is of course one of his teammates. That indicates to me that Sancho has basically told his teammates he's staying. So this these media reports that Sancho might move force a move to England, I, I can't see that happening. I think we're dealing with a young man who, yes, had had this indiscretions like every 17, 18, 19 year old has at times, right? The hairdresser episode, which really isn't that big of an episode, for example, or sometimes showing up too late to practice. Again, we're dealing, dealing with a teenager here. And I think we're dealing with a kid here who really has, um, everything in order and really, you know, is quite happy to play, uh, in Dortmund as well. He's going to be playing with Erling Haaland too. I think that's going to be quite fascinating to much. In Gio Reyna, there's another young talent coming up. Um, Yuzuva Mukuku, the, the super talent in German football. He's going to be available for the squad in November. I think there's a lot of exciting things coming. Oh, and of course, Jude Bellingham as well. I almost forgot him. So I, I know never say never. And the, the, that, the transfer deadline is October 5th. But I think it, it would really surprise me if Dortmund would, um, accept an offer if it came in now. That's that's my feeling. Um, of course, anything can happen in football, but that's really what I feel and think um, when it comes to this story. Yeah, that's it. Um, as Chris said, you know, we'll never say never to the possibility of that happening. But for the meantime, it looks like he's going to be staying with Dortmund, which is good news for us uh, German football fans. Right, well, we'll move on to another bit of uh, transfer news, and that's Onion Berlin managed to uh, pick up a striker. And yes, you may recognise the name. He spent a little bit of time in, in Turkey, but has now arrived uh, to score goals for them, and that's Max Kruse. He's um, spent quite a bit of time uh, at different sides in the Bundesliga, but always scored goals. Chris, this is a great move for Onion, you know, as they look to um, have their second year in the Bundesliga, uh, a rather successful one finishing 11th in the first attempt they'll be looking to um well equal that or or maybe even surprises and do a bit more i suppose with uh, extra goals up top now yeah most definitely last season um union berlin had a great transfer window brought in some extremely good players with a lot of experience um Subotic, for example showed up that back line for me that was an inspired purchase because of of the wealth of knowledge and experience at the very top level. You know, you're talking about a guy who's pretty much seen it all and won it all with Dortmund. Um, he was able to bring that experience into the Union dressing room and um, they played exceptionally well. I was there for the start of the season. I was there when they got hammered by Leipzig. I was there two weeks later when they had a, a wonderful um, performance against um, Borussia Dortmund where they played them off the park and, and not many teams did that last season to Dortmund. I think probably Bayern were the only ones um, else who did that. Um, but this year or this coming season, this closed season, the signing of Max Kruse is is another really good statement of intent. I know he's a little bit older, he's 32, but the way that um, Union play, um, you know, if he goes into that second striker role or he's, he can play attacking midfielder, but for me, I think he's going to be second striker come centre forward. Um, he won't be asked to trap back as much 
perhaps as he would have done, you know, if he was 25, 26. But he's a player that brings a lot, a lot of experience. I mean, you look at some of the teams he's played for um, in and around the league, obviously played for Wolfsburg, which everybody will know, and more importantly, Werder Bremen, where he was a really big hit. Um, I was surprised to see him not go back to Werder Bremen, you know, especially when they stayed in the league. But Berlin is such an attractive prospect for anybody. Um, and Union is such a fantastic club. And I think Cruz is going to bring a real slice of quality to that side. And we always look at teams when they're promoted. Do they escape the drop straight away? Yes. Do they escape the drop second season? More than often, no. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how Union get along with this. But once again, all the right signals, all the right boxes are being ticked before a ball's being kicked. So, yeah, not another exciting time, I think, to be watching Union Berlin next season. If they can finish 11th or if they can finish you know, 14th, it's another brilliant season for them. Absolutely. I think that's a, a very exciting deal for the man. It's going to be interesting to see how they get on this coming season. But goals... You know, yeah, that's always a, a good way to try and stay in the division. Now, uh, Manu, we're, we're going to move to you now and talk a little bit about uh, Wes McKinney. Uh, he's been linked um, plenty uh, recently. We've even seen him being linked over on our shores um, with Southampton. But um, where do you see him going, if anywhere? You know, there can be plenty of transfer talk, as we've always already discussed, uh, but maybe a player doesn't move on. But what do you see? where do you see his future lying? Yeah, Weston McKinney is, is an interesting one because um, it's, it's no secret that Schalke need to generate some money this summer, right? Because um, of the financial situation, the impact of COVID-19, it's, it's been widely reported. Both Chris and I wrote plenty on this and um, they, need, they need to generate some, some cash because um, they have been uh, poorly financed for some time. And now, of course, COVID hit them just at the wrong time. I know that the current... Um, the, the, the current management at the club is doing a lot of things trying to rectify the, the problems um, of, of the previous regime. But the matter of fact is they need money and there is a few players that could generate the sort of cash that they need. Um, Soda Serda um, is one of them. Um, Ozan Kabak is another. Um, I know he's been linked to quite a few clubs. And then there's Weston McKinney. And I think the interest in Weston McKinney is probably the biggest he was linked to all sorts of clubs. Um, at some point, even Liverpool was interested. I, I, I think the, the signing of Tsimikas, uh, the Greek left back, I'll know it's a different position. Um, I think uh, Liverpool won't do that much business. Uh, Chris can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, from what I'm hearing, and uh, Liverpool is not going to do that many big deals. So I don't think they're going to go in for West McKinney. And then Newcastle were interested, but they're out because the Saudi, uh, Saudi takeover has failed. Um, has fallen through. And then Southampton, um, we're very, very interested. Uh, Ralf Hasenhüttl knows him, of course, well from his time in the Bundesliga. But what you're hearing from Southampton is that they were very impressed by the financial muscle that Hertha Berlin have shown um, in this um, race to sign Weston McKinney. And Hertha Berlin, of course, now have money which in times of COVID-19 is very is something that not a lot of clubs have um, because of Lars Winters the investor who has pumped in another 150 million euros into the club um, the investment is now 350 million euros so they are basically they're basically playing with monopoly money right now right they can do whatever they want and 
they I think too with Hertha they they come in rich at a really interesting time because a lot of clubs will have to sell and they are very very interested in investing McKenny and I think it's a player if you are a US player and um, I know he wants to go to the Premier League but if you're staying in Germany I think Berlin would be a very attractive proposal for you and I think that Berlin and Bruno Labbadia are gonna go places and I think from what you're reading that Hertha are probably the favorites to get this one done. Well, yeah, as you and I were saying before the podcast, Manu, that Hertha Berlin will probably be one of the only uh, big spenders, um, probably in German football or European football, even for for that uh, measure. But so, yeah, let's see what happens um, there. So, uh, Chris, um, let's move to um, uh, another bit of transfer news. One that seems to be um, uh, landing on our shores once again. Uh, I keep getting questions about him uh, moving to Aston Villa. And that's Milo Rashica. Uh, at Werder Bremen, he was one of the few decent players, uh, decent performers this year. It was a pretty bleak season for them, but but he was definitely a, a, a shining light there. Um, do, do we see him moving possibly over here or anywhere else for that matter? Well, I think um, we can see him moving because he was left out of uh, the Bremen squad on Sunday and they played um, Braunschweig and um, Florian Kofeld spoke after the match um, saying that he decided or they'd mutually decided, so the player and the club um, had decided not to use him in the match due to an open situation regarding a possible transfer. So when the head coach says that, I think we can pretty much... um, we can pretty much say that he's going to be on his way. Um, and also um, Frank Bauman spoke, uh, I think, the very start of the month. So where are we now? Probably seven days ago, a week ago, um, that he's in agreement with a club he wants to join. So I think we're probably just in the process of, of seeing who that club is. I mean, there's been a lot of talk that it's going to be RB Leipzig. That was um, That was very... Um, big news before Timo Werner left, which obviously has now is gone to um, Chelsea. So the, there is a position there should he want it. But he's a he's a man in um, he's a man in, in wanted. I mean, there was clubs in the UK that were after him, or should I say England um, that, that were after him. I, I think he would be a good addition to to those clubs mentioned. Now whether he's happy to you know make a move. Um, and sit on a bench is a different matter. I think he's you know good enough and quality enough to be playing week in week out. So should he go to um, should he go to a mid mid to lower table side in the Premier League? I think he would be wasted. And if he went to one of the top three or four, I think he would have to spend some time on the bench, which wouldn't suit him. So a, a move within Germany would be, I think, the best option for him. But I wouldn't be surprised if he he, he went away on foreign shores because he's just such a good player. What he brings, his versatility on the left, in the centre, out wide as a striker, second striker. He's got all the ability about him to play that. And, and yeah, he's an exciting player to watch. But it pretty much looks like, if you're a Werder Bremen fan, that you're not really going to see much more of him. In fact, you're not going to see him um, for the start of this coming season in September. Yeah, that's it. It doesn't sound like he's going to be playing much part in uh, next season for Werder Bremen, does it? Uh, well, once just like uh, Weston McKinney, we'll have to see where he lands. Um, another player that hasn't landed anywhere just yet and is actually playing at this very moment is Kai Havertz. Uh, Manu, any word on him? There was plenty of talk of Chelsea. Is, is that likely or we don't know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, word was... 
that when the Bundesliga season ended, that um, Kai Havertz was off to Chelsea right away, that he would not play in the Europa League. And, um, you know, basically that everything, including his personal terms, is pretty much agreed on. The fact is, mm -hmm. I, I'm looking at the, the lineup um, right now as Bayer Leverkusen and uh, is facing Inter Milan in Dusseldorf at the moment. So this is the, the time of recording on Monday. And Kai Havertz is playing a right winger next to Folland. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a difficult one. I think that a, a lot of clubs would like to have him. I think that Chelsea would absolutely love to have him. And we're going to talk about Chelsea in a little bit. But I think the reality is that Leverkusen will want to have a lot of money for him. And like it is the case for Sancho, the market will be better next year. And I think too, when you look at the club that wants him the most, Chelsea, they just, I'm not sure that is, that is a target that they actually need to acquire because you look at, look at their squad and the performances in Munich. I think that they need more, they need a goalkeeper and a defender and a left back. And I think if they sign Kai Harvards, there's not going to be enough money to, to rent, to, sign those other three players. But as it always is the case, you know, um, we, we don't know how, what, what, what's going on with negotiations, whether Chelsea are going to sign Harvard's anyways and just hope for the best when it comes to their other targets. But the reality is right now, Kai Harvard's plays for Leverkusen and he's going to finish the Europa League season with Leverkusen. And that could be as early as tonight. Um, or it could be you know, uh, in the semifinal or the final. And I know that Leverkusen want to win this comp competition very badly. They have said this to me directly. I've interviewed both uh, Simon Rolfes and um, Caro, Fernando Caro, the CEO, about this. And they're quite adamant that they want to win the Europa League. And this is always their goal. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's the latest on Kai Havertz. Yeah, let's just see what happens I, there. Uh, but, I, um, I, I, think, yeah, I think we might be seeing some movement on the day. Uh, Insta have just gone 1-0 up as you record this. Brilliant play by Lukaku in the box and Barella's just smashed it in outside of his foot. So um, Insta are up inside of 15 minutes. There you go. There's, there's a live update. Unfortunately, this podcast will probably come out once the, the game is over. But um, yeah, as, as we just said, Kai Havertz is on the field at the moment. So he's uh, not quite went anywhere just yet. Um, let's hope, um, you know, with obviously our football interest being German, that they can pull that one back. Okay. Well, yes, as, as we said, Kai Havertz is on the field. And let's talk um, about uh, the Europa League. Um, at the moment, uh, so uh, <laughs> Chris, um, when we do look at, um, at Bayer Leverkusen's uh, performance, uh, they obviously uh, brushed aside uh, Rangers, and, and now they're on to Inter Milan. Um, the game has started; they're one 0 down. But um, how do you feel that you know, their chances in the competition is going to be? Um, I mean, it's in Germany. You'd like to think that that's going to work to their benefit as well, but they obviously have an uphill struggle being 1-0 down at the moment. Well, yeah, I mean, this is going to be quite interesting for anybody who listens back to this pod tomorrow morning um, because the game's going on live and it's 16 minutes gone and Inter Milan are well in control and look very, very comfortable. Um, should um, buy Leverkusen, pull this back um, and, and get a positive result. It has to be ended tonight, of course. One leg knockout tie. Um, I think they've got a pretty good chance of going all the way. This is their most, um, this is their biggest test, I would say, so far. And if they can navigate this, it is a home tournament for them, in essence. Um, 
obviously Dusseldorf and, and the final itself is in Cologne and Duisburg and Gelsenkirchen where all the games are you know they're they're within an hour or so's travel from Leverkusen, so it's it's well known ground that um, that they're playing in, and that that makes a big difference. I mean, look at any team: France, World Cup '98, Euro '96, England got all the way to the final. Um, South Korea did exceptionally well in a World Cup in 2002, I think it was. Um, home advantage um, is pretty good. Didn't do too well for the Brazilians um, when they played Germany, uh, which you know Manny will be laughing about in the background, but normally home soil gives you some sort of advantage. So if they can pull this back, I think they, you know, they've got a good opportunity. Um, saw them play against Juventus, the last game in the Champions League, where I thought they did all right, actually. Um, obviously, they were playing Cristiano Ronaldo's Juventus and really, really good side at that particular moment in time. And, and Leverkusen held their worth for quite a lot of that match. So they do have good European pedigree. And, and as you've said, you know, this is a route into the Champions League for them next season. It's the only route. Um, and yeah, as Manu's already said, they're, they're keen to win it. Now, whether they can do that in the next 60 minutes or so waits to be seen. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll be giving you live updates if you haven't already seen this score, uh, which uh, we're, we're all kind of looking at our phones to see what the scores or our television screens to see what exactly is going on. Um Manu, let's talk then about um, teams that weren't fortunate to go any further in the Europa League, and that's Wolfsburg and Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, they they had uphill str- challenges, obviously, um, going into it, but 4-0 and 5-1, they're quite significant losses, uh, quite disappointing for the two sides. Yeah, aggregate losses, right? So um, I think... Wolfsburg disappointed me uh, quite a bit. I watched that game and um, yeah, I I thought that they could have done a lot better against Shakhtar Donetsk. And it, it is, it's, it, I think uh, maybe the one thing that you could s- kind of say saves their face a little bit is that they can say, okay, look, we're, we were in a match shape. Uh, Shakhtar Donetsk season just ended. Um, so Bit, bit, bit more difficult for them to get into this game. I'm struggling with Fertz here because Inter just made it 2-0. So I, I guess that, uh, that ends Leverkusen's hopes. But yeah, um, I was a little disappointed by, by the, by the Golden Wolfsburg result. Uh, Frankfurt, you know, they, you had it in the back of your head that maybe, just maybe they can pull it back. Um, you know, score the three goals in Basel without the fans there. Sometimes that's a little bit easier, but you know, it wasn't meant to be. And I think, Frankfurt in particular, I had a little bit of sense that there was a little bit of cup fatigue in general this season. They have been playing a lot of cup fixtures. They always went, when they went back really deep into the German cup, um, three years, three years in a row, right? Um, then really deep in the Europa League last year. Um, you just get the sense that they kind of just want a little bit of a break and maybe a year without international football will actually quite good for their development. So yeah, that cup start off, um, looks like we losing, we lost both German sides already and we might lose the third today, which would be kind of sad because, you know, you want, want the teams to go deep when they host, um, a European tournament like this in Germany. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> even a bigger uphill struggle now um, that the, the lead has been uh, doubled. But, uh, yeah, you, you never know. You never know, right?
And that was the Bayern Munich goal song, which, yeah, we heard plenty of on Saturday as we watched them brush aside uh, Chelsea and move into the next round of the Champions League. But first of all, um, Manu, we're going to talk about uh, RB Leipzig as they're going to be facing Atletico Madrid. Um, Atletico Madrid obviously getting there via Liverpool, which Chris and I will want to touch on whatsoever. Um, we don't need to, but RB Leipzig got there um, by brushing aside uh, Tottenham quite emphatically. Uh, but now a new challenge has come up with um, COVID cases um, in Atletico. Uh, what's the situation with this? Is the game to go ahead still? Is there going to be players missing? What's the story? Yeah, so there, there was a lot of confusion about Atletico's statement, right? Because they didn't actually first specify whether this was players or members of staff. We now know that it was um, two players, Angel Correa and uh, Simeon Rizalco. Um, so they are not traveling to Lisbon, those two players. Atletico are in Lisbon and they are going to face um, RB Leipzig. I, I think I saw the Nolan Void trend yesterday on Twitter. I think a bunch of Liverpool fans getting a little bit too excited ahead of themselves, hoping that there was a path back into this tournament. Um, I'm sorry to disappoint. It looks like Atletico and Leipzig are going to play each other. Um, interesting, those two players, I mean, uh, Rizalco in particular has, has been important for them in the past and is going to be, of course, now missing this game. I think... This is going to be quite an interesting matchup because Leipzig are without Timo Werner, who was very important for them this season, second best goal scorer in the Bundesliga. He's now to Chelsea. He he did sign a contract with Chelsea and opted out of this Champions League tournament because uh, Leipzig were very worried about having to pay 5 million euros in insurance fees to actually have him participate in this game, right? Um, and that's, that's risky with considering it could be only one game, right? So, but I think that Nagelsmann, this is going to be quite an interesting test between Nagelsmann and uh, facing a Diego Simeone side who are always very difficult to play against. And German teams in particular always have done very, had always had a very tough time. Bayern Munich for, is, is a great example. I think too, what you have to keep in mind a little bit is that Again, the Bundesliga finished earlier than La Liga. It's not quite as big of a gap it is between, you know, the Premier League and the Bundesliga, but there is still quite a long gap. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how Nagelsmann has gotten those players ready to play in a match like that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that Leipzig have a chance here. Um, you always have a chance in a one-off. But I think that Nagelsmann will be very much tested tactically. And I know, Chris, you probably have to say quite a lot about Nagelsmann, his tactics, and how he has approached games like that in the past. Yeah, it's always it's always an interesting one with Julian Nagelsmann. Obviously, um, superb coach, um, exceptional tactician, but he has been a, a little naive at times. However, give him his due. I think this season in the competition, um, he's been superb. Um Great goal by Kai Havertz, by the way, um, to bring by Leverkusen back into this inter, inter fixture. But um, yeah, it is going to be an interesting one because of the way that Leipzig play um, and the way that Atletico Madrid play. Um, Jurgen Klopp said it's not for everybody, um, but I would I would say it a little differently. I, I think Atletico Madrid play to their strengths. Um, which is they're a very physical side, but 
they can play very neat, intricate football. Um, Leipzig play very neat, intricate football, but can be um, physical when they need to be. I was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for, for that game against Tottenham Hotspur, funnily enough, um, where they were exceptionally physical that night and, and almost bullied Tottenham off the pitch. Um, you know, they're players that you would have expected to to really get in and amongst it couldn't, and that was down to the strength Um Sorry, Lukaku just got a penalty. So I think we could be saying goodbye to Bayer Leverkusen anyway. But yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, I love Leipzig. I think they play really good football. But this side of the draw just favours Atletico Madrid to get to the final for me. Um, but I've said this till I'm blue in the face this week. We're looking at 90 minutes, one-off football. Have a bad day. Have a fantastic day. Nobody knows, and that's the beauty of it. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think if Nagelsmann wants to go high, wants to press high, um, almost, you know, the, the German way in inverted commas, I think Simeone will just let them have the ball like he did against Liverpool. That's your ball. We're just going to sit back, and then we're going to punish you with a very quick um, a very quick break and a very physical break. They did that in the Wonder. And then they did it to a real good effect at Anfield as well. So a very, very dangerous side. I think if Leipzig can navigate this game, they've got a really good chance of getting to the final. But that's a big if and a big ask. I'm just annoyed that there's no TV in this room that I can't be watching that game in Dusseldorf at the moment, getting these updates. It seems like an action-packed one. But, yeah, let, let's stick to the podcast here, focus. Um, yeah, so we're going to have um, RB Leipzig playing uh, Atletico Madrid. That's going to be on Thursday night. That'll be after Wednesday's night game of Atlanta taking or Atlanta taking on PSG uh, the winners of those games will uh, then play each other so that mo- means we're going to move on to Bayern Munich and I've got written in front of me dismantle Chelsea and yes that's exactly the appropriate word as it was 4-1 7-1 on aggregate Wow, they 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 look so impressive at the moment, Bayern Munich. We said that towards the end of the Bundesliga campaign that you know that they're they're looking so strong at the moment, and they've continued on in that fashion. I don't even think that they were throwing in a hundred percent Manu uh, to that game because well, they didn't really need to, but when they turned it on, they looked absolutely fantastic. They did, but first an update: it's not a penalty, so Leverkusen are still in it. Um... I love this, that we can do these live updates on the podcast. Um, unfortunately, we're going to run out of time before this game ends. So you will have to, yeah, yeah. Anyways, Bayern. I, yeah, I thought Bayern were really good, Bryce. Um, I, I was very impressed by the professionalism that they showed. And this was actually a game that worried me a little bit um, when it comes to Bayern because they had a very long break. And having a long break after you've been in phenomenal form can be very difficult. And I think Hansi Flick showed his tournament abilities. Um, let's use that word because, you know, he has coached Germany as an assistant um, at various tournaments, including the 2014 World Cup winning tournament that Chris alluded to earlier. And yes, I did smile and laugh a little bit in the background. He has that ability to get teams ready to the point. And he did exactly that. I think that when you watch this game, you think, okay, but Bayern never really got out of second gear and they still destroyed Chelsea, absolutely dismantled them. It was man against boys. And I think if Bayern really had pressed a little bit harder, this scoreline could have been a lot higher. 
And it was an all-around impressive performance. I think we also need to talk about Robert Lewandowski a little bit because if there is a player that was maybe a little robbed by uh, France football deciding not to hold the Ballon d'Or this year, it was it's maybe him because he was involved in all seven of those goals. He's He scored 34 goals in 31 Bundesliga games this season. He's definitely going to win the Golden Boot in the Champions League because um, there's not going to be enough games left for him to be caught yeah he's been just a joy to watch and I think it's going to be really fascinating to see Bayern Munich now take on Barcelona and I think Barcelona were actually quite good I know Chris you followed that game a bit more closely so maybe you can say a few things about it but for me Lewandowski against Messi maybe the two most informed players in the world at the moment Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern and iconic family classics, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. And with new series, episodes, movies, and fresh content arriving every week, AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I mean agree with everything about what you said about Lewandowski there. I think, um, I mean, he's not being robbed of it because, um, I mean, in the big scheme of things, these are um, these are votes that he probably wouldn't have got it anyway. Let's be honest, it either goes to Ronaldo or Messi and very occasionally it'll go to a Spanish-based player. So um, he, he probably wouldn't have got it anyway. But I, I think when FIFA's the best comes around, which will, um, I think he will undoubtedly be voted player of the year um, and it would be a shock if he wasn't to be brutally honest um so yeah that that's one to watch i had um i had the perfect uefa um screening i had double vision so i had um bayern chelsea on on my television and i had the um barcelona napoli game on my, on my ipad so i was able to watch both games obviously because i've got glasses and four eyes that's not a problem for me but um yeah i thought Messi was sublime. I mean, everybody, everybody will have seen the goal um, that he scored, and that is true. Messi, you think that you can't get you can't get a shot off there, you can't dribble through there. Um, th- that is what Messi does. I mean, everyone can remember the goal he scored. I think it was against Atletico Madrid a few seasons ago, um, where he just took on everybody and scored. It, it was pretty much up there. Um, the the thing about Barcelona for me is they're a very aging side. So um, Messi, Suarez getting on a bit. Um, at the back, they're getting on a bit. In the middle, they're getting on a bit. Um, so the likes of Davies, um, the likes of Gnabry, you know, Lewandowski still can move despite his age. Um, Muller is still fast. Um, Goreska's got some speed to him. Kimmich can go fast. Um, Neuer can play a ball over the top if he wants. I think they've got um, they've got all the power to get past Barcelona, but 
even though Barcelona are an aging side, they just have so much quality. And I think they could get in behind Bayern, which has been a problem for them in Europe, um, not necessarily in the last round against Chelsea. But even the other night, Chelsea did get behind that back line a little bit too easily. Um, poor Manuel Neuer made one mistake in the entire game and kicker threw him to the Wolves with a 4.5 out of 5, which is um, you know 0.5 away from the worst score you can possibly get, uh, which I personally think was a bit harsh. But it's going to be a fascinating matchup, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's over 90 minutes. It's a winner-takes-all knockout stage. It would have been a phenomenal final for me in Istanbul if it would have happened, but it's not. It's going to be behind closed doors, and unfortunately, it would have been a good final. It'll just be a really good quarterfinal. Um, and Manchester City, you would think, no disrespect to Lyon, but they, they got past Juventus when possibly they shouldn't have done. But Manchester City have been so good this season. And um, when it comes to cup football, take out the... Um, take out the FA Cup semi-final. I think they've got all eyes on this competition. Um, and that will be the game of the season for me because that is Guardiola against his old club um, and against a club he should have won the Champions League with maybe twice. Um, now with a team that he should have won the Champions League with twice and buying a Hungary. Um, yeah, it's going to be a beautiful game. But this one against Barcelona is first and that's going to be just as good. And it's everything about these two competitions, the Europa League and the Champions League at the minute. It's just a joy to watch, even if there is, unfortunately, a lack of fans in the stadium. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great time to be a football fan, isn't it? We've got plenty to watch, and uh, including the game that's going on at the moment. It seems like there's plenty of entertainment. Eh? But um, yeah, so we've had a few uh, Twitter questions which tie in nicely um, to um, well our preview I suppose ahead of uh, Bayern taking on uh, Barcelona and uh, we'll, we'll kind of uh, cover the questions but we'll also you know preview it uh, in a bit more depth as well so uh, I'm going to take one from uh, Fritz here and I'm going to go back to you Chris because you did mention you know, that it's, um, it's only over one leg so it does change things and Fritz asks if Bayern Barca was going to be over two legs legs could theoretically have seen a repeat of 2013 that's when uh, Bayern beat them 7-0 in or on aggregate uh, considering how dominant this Bayern team is and how shaky this uh, Barca team is um, would you uh, agree with that Chris that uh, maybe over two legs it, it would have benefited uh, Bayern and you know who do you see the favorite going into this one it, in one game as, as you mentioned earlier well anything can really happen yeah, it's a good question, Fritz. Um, I mean, the way the draw has, has panned out, um, Barcelona are, in inverted commas, the home side for this. So had this game been played out normally, um, it would have been obviously in, in the Camp Nou first and then back in the Allianz second. I think that favours Bayern um, more. <laughs> I mean, it certainly favoured Roma and Liverpool last year. So um, I don't think it would have gone on, um, on any differently. Um, but... Would it have been a repeat? No, I don't think it would have been as comprehensive, um, but I would have fancied Bayern to win over two legs. I still fancy Bayern to win over one leg. It's just there's an ability for Bayern to have an off day. I haven't seen them have an off day since the turn of the year, um, and we're now in August, eight months later. So, you know, they're due an off day, um, and I haven't really seen one, and I hope for them it doesn't come in a Champions League quarter-final stage, but it could. And likewise, Barcelona, when they're on form, when Messi's on form, 
superb. But Hansi Flick, we've talked about Julian Nagelsmann. We talked about Guardiola. Hansi Flick's exceptionally well versed in tactics. He will have looked at that Roma game two years ago. He'll have looked at Liverpool's game last season um, at Anfield. And he will have looked at times this season when Barcelona looked shaky. And if you can not man-mark Lionel Messi, because I don't think that's a way. If you can stop the passing lanes to Lionel Messi, if you can make your central midfielders and your defensive midfielders aware of the fact that Lionel Messi creates most of his space by standing still when everybody loses their heads. He's one of the most calmest players in the world. He just stands still and takes advantage of that space that opens up in front of him. Now, if Flick can can approach that in a way that I think he can. And I, I wouldn't dream about how to tell him to do that job. I think he's clever enough to do it. But if they can break down those passing lanes to Messi, if they can then stop the passing lanes that Messi would use, the support runs from Suarez, etc. I think they've got a really good chance. And, you know, it's an old cliche, but nick an early goal. Um, and that puts a lot of pressure on your opponent. And I think this will go either way. The only thing I would say, if Bayern were to go 1-0 down early, I would favour them getting back into the game more than I would if Barcelona were to go one down. Um, it's going to be thrilling. But over two legs, Fritz, I don't think it would have been like it was a couple of years ago. Um, and I certainly don't think it would have been the, the other way around when um, Boateng fell over and um, got his legs twisted up with Messi breathing down his neck. I think it would have been two very close legs. Um, but yeah, Bayern for me um, on this one, um, maybe a bit of bias there perhaps. Yeah, so we move on to the next uh, Twitter question. Uh, a b- bit of a loaded one, so I'm going to break this one up uh, for both of you fellas. I'm going to go to Manu first. So Stefan, he asks, who will get a lesson, Fonzie or Messi? Alfonso Davis, um, he's obviously referring to there as Fonzie. Uh, well, Manu, who's going to get a lesson? Oh, this is, this is going to, I mean, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, Fonzie is extremely, extremely fast, and that is one of the reasons why Bayern can play that high line. I think that, um, you know, Bayern have a lot of very fast defenders, including Niklas Süle, um, even though the English media still doesn't quite get him to get that because he was referred to as very slow in the, the broadcast that I was watching. But Fonzi is very, very fast. And so is Süle and so is Boateng. They're all very, very fast players. And that allows them to play that very high line. And I think because of Fonzi, that high line has gotten even, even higher. He's almost more playing like a winger rather than a left back. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Messi is going to approach that and how Fonzi is going to respond to it because he's still very young. He's only 19. He's only been really playing at this level for eight, nine months. So I think for Fonzi, this is going to be a do or die. Um, you know, he has to he has to learn how to swim very quickly against um, who I think is still the world's best player. So who's going to get the lesson? That's a very tough question. I think that for Messi, um, I think Messi is going to give Fonzi a strong lesson here, and it's going to be very interesting to see how quickly Alfonso Davies is going to learn. And I think that's going to be a really big part of the game. And Chris, you touched on Barca a little bit, but I'm putting this question to you because you uh, watched um, the game a little bit closely than Manu did. Um, and Stefan asked, watch second half of Barca in conference mode. Uh, not a single decent passing phase could be seen uh, how broken and still dangerous are they exactly? Yeah, I think that was more of, um, I mentioned earlier about Barcelona's age um, catching up with them I think that was very clever game management to be honest there was absolutely no need 
for them to go and take Napoli on and get hit by a fast, you know, Italian well set up side. I think that was really good game management. I know they looked a little bit poor if you take them into the the, the Barcelona that we all know and, and you know many of us love to watch them play. I certainly love watching Barcelona play when they're in full form. Um they're a joy to watch. But I think this was real good game management by them. Um and I would expect something similar if they were to play Bayern, if they were to, you know, get an early lead or maybe get a two two nil, two one lead. I would expect them to not sit back because I think if you sit back and you let Bayern attack you um, they'll tear you to pieces, but I think they'll try and hold on to the ball, recycle it a little bit more, maybe not play that that risky chip over the back, maybe not play that risky breakout wide, just just recycle the ball front to back in a way that Barcelona teams have done for quite a long time, but there would be no end penetration to it. I, I think that is, is good game management, um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it again. I, I do, though, think it wouldn't work as well against Bayern as it did against Napoli. Yeah, and that sends us into our final question. This one will go to you, Manu, and it comes in from Cody. He says, if Pavard does recover in time to play some of the later games in the Champions League, assuming Bayern keep moving through, should he be played or leave Thiago and Goretzka in midfield and Kimmich at right back? If not, then who makes room for Pavard, uh, Thiago or Goretzka? Wow. That's a very difficult question. Uh, I think it really depends. It's a, it's a, it's it's quite a nice choice to have though, as yeah, Bayern, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. You're right, and that's really what it comes down to. I think it will come down to tactical decisions and who they're going to face in, in the next round. I think Leon Goretzka has been in phenomenal form. I think Thiago, um, his transfer rumors to Liverpool aside is a magnificent player and he gives you a lot of control in midfield. He gives you more control in midfield than any other player in the Bayern squad. He is extremely important and often underappreciated in Germany, which is a real big shame, I think. So I think that you would want to play Thiago, especially against Manchester City. I think that is who you're going to go with. Let's say Olympic Lyon do the unthinkable and actually beat Guardiola then I would maybe go with Goretzka to have a little bit more power in midfield but then again how fit is Pavard going to be that's also a question like is he going to be available yeah sure but how fit is he going to be and then there's also another question is what happens now with Boateng's injury is he going to be fit to play so you might actually have to use Pavard somewhere else right so it's it's a very difficult one, and I think Flick is going to look at this um, depending on the situation. I think that you know all these players offer you different things. Um, I think that Kimmich for sure will move back into midfield should Pavard play, and I think that with Thiago and Kimmich you have basically control over the midfield. But Goretzka gives you that power. He gives you that ability to the to take a ball and really press into the, the final third and. I mean, as you said, it's it's nice for a coach to have those options. And it's probably also what Bayern, or not Bayern, but Hansi Flick um, would really like to keep Thiago, even though that seems unlikely now. But yeah, for a tournament like that, I think it's situational. Yeah, and that more or less does it for the podcast uh, today. We've uh, covered quite a lot, actually. And hopefully when we're uh, back um, podcasting again, we can report back good news for the uh, German side. It's still 2-1 uh, in that game in Dusseldorf, Inter uh, leading 
uh, Bayer Leverkusen at the moment. But um, yeah, uh, Chris, um, have you got anything uh, coming up in the next few days you'd like to draw our attentions to? Well, if you've not suffered enough over lockdown and not being able to go out, uh, if you're based in the UK, um, you can see my face on the television. I'm doing a little bit of work with BT Sport, obviously the rights holders for both the um, Europa League and the Champions League, and they're running a, a superb show. It's on 11 o'clock every day, uh, Monday to Friday, with uh, James Richardson, who a lot of people will know in the UK um, from Italian football coverage, um, superb broadcaster, and to even be... Um, involved in a show with his presence has blown my mind. So, yeah, look forward to me um, sweating a bit, maybe, perhaps. Um, I've, I've sharpened up Bryce, got myself a blazer, um, so there'll be no scruffy T-shirts on show. And I've sort of changed a few of the pictures on my wall because I don't think it's quite right to talk about the Champions League and Europa League with you know pictures of Liverpool winning the European Cup and the Premier League behind me. So I've dulled it down a bit or I've neutralised it down a bit. Oh, I I don't know about anyone else, but I'm excited. And yeah, James Richardson, eh? he's, uh, he's pretty good, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so yeah, well done, Chris. And we look forward to uh, tuning in and seeing you uh, on the TV. And just don't forget about us. Eh? Make sure you still get time for this podcast in, in, future, uh, in the future weeks and years. Uh, but um, Manu, what, what have you got going on t- um, coming up? I, I meant to ask you, actually, you're obviously always involved with uh, many different uh, leagues uh, around the world. Uh, are, are they still running? Have you still got something to do apart from uh, the Champions League and Europa League? You're kidding, right? <laughs> yeah, no. I know, you're busy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been exceptional busy this summer. Usually August is a little bit quieter, but this year we have actual league football. And on top of that, all these transfer going on at the same time. And um, yeah, I'm still working full time for Transfermarkt. That's um, that's going really well. I've been loving it. And I think uh, anyone who's been following me up to this point knows that, you know, we're pushing out a lot of content. So um, you can find all of that at Manuel Weff. Well, that certainly does it for today. Um, and we'll be back in, in a few days' time to cover any transfer dealings that happen to pop their head up, but also cover how the German sides get on in the European competitions. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn, and auf Wiedersehen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is the story of The One. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.